welcome back to the Beck and Call podcast. I'm your host, Merritt Beck. As a longtime fashion blogger, I have loved connecting with my audience over the years on all things life, work, love, and everything in between. And I wanted to bring that to life on this podcast. You can consider the Beck and Call podcast a weekly catch up with your internet bestie where I share personal life updates, recent recs and reviews, and discuss relevant, interesting topics for women in their 20s, 30s, and beyond. I am so glad you're here. So let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. We are just a few days into the new year and I'm feeling so good. I don't know about you guys, but I'm already off to a great start with the healthy habits that I wanted to instill. I mentioned some of those in last week's episode. I've also been talking about them on Instagram, but I feel I feel very confident about them already. I was worried coming off of the holidays that I wasn't going to be able to quit sugar. I have a really, really big sweet tooth. And one of my goals this month was to eat a lot less sugar. And so when I went to the store this week, I bought a ton of fruit and that has sort of been my substitute for desserty type things. And y'all, I still have frozen cookie dough and frozen cake slices in my freezer. So I'm pretty proud of myself that I've made it this week and not touched any of those things. The only other time I've really totally cut out desserts and kind of added sweets and that kind of thing was when I did Whole30 back in, I think, 2017. And I did a good job on that, but I didn't feel like Whole30 for me was that sustainable just because I travel a lot. I also love to go out to eat and I don't want to be too restrictive. But doing Whole30 definitely gave me some good guidelines to go by in terms of like how to shop when I'm at the store, things to avoid. I know that I can live without sugar, at least added sugar. Sugar is in a lot of things like fruit, obviously, but just not buying packaged items, not adding additional sweeteners to things, that kind of thing. I know I can do it because I've done it before. So really, really trying. But anyway, I'm going off on a tangent right now. All of that to say, I'm feeling really good going into (laughs) this new year. I am on my goals. I'm working out. I'm walking. I am doing dry January, which I think I said in the last episode I wasn't going to do, but that was before I decided to do it. So I am doing dry January and I just, I feel really happy about it. I don't know. I feel this is going to give me a clear head going into the new year. I hope it'll give my body a good reset after the holidays. I'm just, I'm feeling great and I wanted you guys to know about it. Now in last week's episode, I gave y'all a recap of my Christmas holiday in Austin, but I haven't had a chance to update you guys on my Carmel trip. So let's get into that now. So the idea of going to Carmel over New Year's actually came about because of me. (laughs) I planted a seed in my stepdad's ear and I told him it would be so fun to go. They usually go to the ranch, but I wanted to go somewhere and not, I didn't really want to go to the ranch. So over Thanksgiving, I was like, Hey, you know, what would be really fun? And you know, we could have some of the kids go, your boys could come. Anyway, I planted the seed and he was like, yeah, let's do it. And unfortunately, at the last minute, he and my mom had to pull out of the trip because of an eye issue he was having. He had some kind of retinal tear or something scary. And I don't know. Anyway, the procedure he had to do kind of prevented him from being able to go on the trip. He couldn't fly directly after that, obviously. So we'd already purchased all of our flights. All of the kids had. It was going to be Originally, it was going to be my mom, my stepdad, me, my sister, her boyfriend, and my stepbrother and his girlfriend. But my mom and stepdad could no longer go. And the rest of us had already planned our trips. And I'd already signed up and paid for Reese's to be boarded at Bevel Dog Behavior. And so they said we could go ahead and go, which was very nice because usually none of us are allowed to go out there without them. So 
We did end up going and I ended up inviting my friend Lauren to go, which was so much fun. Unfortunately, the weather was sort of a bummer. If you're following any of the news this last week, you've probably seen that California is getting so much rain right now because of a storm system moving through from the Pacific. I think I said, I think I read somewhere that it was like atmospheric rain, which sounds really apocalyptic to me. (laughs) I don't know why, but it's not great. It's good that the area is getting rain, obviously, but the amount of rain is causing mudslides and flooding and all of that. And when we were in Carmel, it actually caused a major power outage, which I will tell you about in a minute. But I arrived on Thursday along with the siblings that joined me on the trip. And then I picked up Lauren after dinner Thursday night. But before I picked her up, we went as a group to Casanova, which is a very popular Italian restaurant in town. It is so delicious. We always love getting the gnocchi as a shared starter. So good. Um, I got the linguine, which came with like clams and mussels and shrimp and some other stuff. So just a seafood linguine, which was also really good. The seafood was. But I would say that the sauce was missing something. It just like wasn't salty enough. It didn't have a ton of flavor. But with that said, the ambiance is amazing. If you do go to Casanova, I recommend sitting on the patio outside, not in the front, but they have a covered patio in the back. It's just really cozy and charming and warm. So definitely check out Casanova if you're going to go to Carmel. And then, like I said, I picked up my friend Lauren at the airport after that, and her flight was pretty late. She got in at 930. And so we didn't get back to the house until around 10. But we decided to stay up with a couple cocktails to catch up because I hadn't seen her since before Christmas. So that was fun. And then the next morning, again, we were hoping that it would be nice weather, but it rained the two main days that Lauren was there, which was a big bummer. But we still had fun. So the first thing we did Friday morning was go to brunch at the stationery, which is one of my very favorite spots in town. It's they only serve breakfast and lunch. It is really, really good. And they have amazing coffee. So if you're into coffee, go there. They always offer a seasonal special latte. One time I went, it was rose. Another time it was lavender. This time they had like a spiced turmeric latte. I'm not a big coffee drinker anymore, but I did have quite a bit of coffee on this trip because Lauren drinks a lot of coffee and the weather was bad and it just sounded good. So I had a couple of those special lattes. They were quite delicious, but they just have an amazing selection of brunch and breakfast lunch items. So think potato pancakes with eggs on top. They've got French toast. They've got a really good burger, shakshuka. They really have a great variety of things. They're not two items that are the same, kind of a diverse menu, but there's enough to choose from, even if you have picky eaters in your group. I always love the potato pancake because it features like a rotating selection of toppings every time you go. So every month or two, they'll change it depending on what's in season. This time, I think was my favorite selection of toppings. It was like pesto, Iberico ham. There was, it wasn't butternut squash, but it might've been acorn squash or delicata squash. That's what it was. And then um, there was something else on. Oh, and then I added a fried egg. It was such a good combo of flavors. You guys know I love Italian. So the pesto was really delicious and salty and just added a really good aroma to the dish. And I didn't say this before, but the potato pancake is basically just a thick round hash brown. It is really crunchy on the outside, soft on the inside, very well seasoned. So that's definitely my favorite dish to get. But Lauren just got their traditional eggs and bacon and avocado, and it comes with a really delicious biscuit and jam that is house made. So 
really cannot recommend the stationery enough. Definitely go there for brunch and they serve brunch. I'm pretty sure every day of the week. So check that out. After that, we decided to pop into a few of my favorite stores in town because again, it was raining. There's not much else to do when it rains out there. So we popped into GBG, which is a great spot for high-end contemporary. So think Zimmerman, Legence, they have Cinca Sept, they have Rose Carmine, Golden Goose, Serena, A. Goldie. They have just every brand that I love from <laughs> online stores that I always shop. They have those in store and they just have a really wide variety of items. They have really beachy looking things. They also have things that you'd see New Yorkers wear. It's just a really good spot, especially because everyone who comes to Carmel is pretty much coming on vacation. So no matter where you come from and what your lifestyle is like, you're probably going to find something there if you're into uh, contemporary fashion. So definitely check out GBG. I actually walked away with a beautiful ruffled blouse by Forte Forte, which is a brand I'd heard about, but I've never purchased from. It's definitely um, a more modern, I would say, streamlined brand. Think lots of neutrals and just clean pieces. And then the other item I bought is the complete opposite of that. And it was a Rose Carmine cardigan. And if you follow my sister on Instagram, styled by Alex, she wears these all the time. They sell this brand at Neiman's. It's a Parisian label, but it's all really beautifully colored sweaters, knitwear, that kind of thing. The one I have is like kind of tie dye and it's just multicolored, but it's lots of bright colors, which sounds like the antithesis of anything I'd normally wear. But sometimes you guys know I love a neutral, but sometimes I love a bright pop of color. And last year I got a really fabulous Bottega Veneta bag in sort of a citron color. And I had so much fun wearing that in the winter. Uh, it really made kind of the drab months of the year feel way more exciting. So I'm excited to pull that out in early spring and wear it traveling. I think it'll be so cute over like a white tee and jeans. I just think it'll be a fun pop of color that'll kind of bring some bring some excitement to my wardrobe. We also popped in House of Cardoon, which is another must visit in Carmel. It's in their little mall at the top of town, and it's a lot of really colorful home items. They've got beautiful serveware. They have some rugs and pillows. They have placemats, glassware, coffee table books. I'm trying to think what else. They had some cute Christmas ornaments, although I wasn't going to try and pack those and get them home because some of them were paper and glass. I just couldn't do it. But they had a lot of really pretty ones. I highly recommend that store. It's just beautiful and it'll make you happy just the second you enter it. After we shopped around for a few hours, we just went back to the house and showered because, again, it was disgusting and rainy and we didn't have much to do. So after we showered, we popped over early to Pebble Beach to have a couple of drinks before dinner, and it was so fun to see it during the holidays. I've never been to Carmel this time of year, and it was really lovely to see the lodge at Pebble Beach fully decked out in holiday lights. Like the big tree out front is lit from trunk to stem. It was absolutely breathtaking. And then they had this giant tree in the lobby, which is where we had drinks and a little tuna appetizer. So we had a nice little drink there, and then we headed over to Pacific Grove, which I don't know. My mom says I've been over there before, but I don't remember going over there. It's just another little neighborhood a little bit further out from Carmel. And we went to a restaurant called Passion Fish, which I keep wanting to call Passion Fruit for obvious reasons. But I wouldn't say this restaurant has a ton of ambiance. It's just kind of simple decor on the inside. The food was pretty good. Um, a lot of seafood, as you can imagine, based on the title. I ordered mussels and I was imagining the mussels would be in their little shells, kind of like 
they always are. <laughs> but the preparation was pretty unique. It was actually in a bowl with sliced potatoes and like a creamy sauce, which I was a little surprised by. I was not expecting that. I guess I should have asked, but I didn't know that mussels would be served another way. It wasn't like a pasta dish. So um, I was a little confused by that, but the flavors were actually really good. So I ended up enjoying that. But Lauren and I ordered a salad, which we both enjoyed. And I've got to say the very best part of the meal, which is what they're actually known for, which is sort of random since it's a fish restaurant, but their biscuit, their biscuit is a standalone menu item. I highly recommend getting one for every person at the table. If you go there, it was definitely the main event, the star of the show. It was crispy on the outside, super buttery, flaky and soft on the inside. Truly my dream biscuit. But as I was saying before, While there was a lot of seafood, and I think most people would be able to find something on this menu, I did think the preparations and flavor combinations they had for each dish, they were very unique and specific. And so my stepdad, who's a fairly picky eater, I'm not sure that would be a place I'd want to take him or my sister, who's also a fairly picky eater. So just keep that in mind. Maybe check out the menu before you go and make sure it sounds good to everybody. The next day, the weather was even worse, (laughs) very high winds and like sideways rain. We had originally wanted to go to hike at Point Lobos, but obviously that couldn't happen. So instead, we went to Le Bicyclette for lunch, which is actually owned by Casanova's, the same people who own Casanova. And we got there four minutes early. We got there at 1056. They have a breakfast service on the weekends from, I think, 830 to 1030. And then they close between 1030 and 11 to open back up for lunch at 11. And we got there four minutes early and it was pouring. It was pouring rain. We had the most flimsy, stupid umbrella (laughs) that did nothing. By the time we were seated, we were soaked. The meal was worth it because I love that place and I really wanted to take her there. It's such a fun spot and the food is outstanding. And the service is great too, but they could have let us in a few minutes early. There was a line outside and all they were doing was like, getting the kitchen ready, like the inside looked ready. Anyway, that was sort of annoying. But like I said, it was worth it. We dried off while we ate, but it was sort of miserable out there for a few minutes. For lunch, we ordered two different salads and then split a pizza and we kind of shared all of it. And it was so delicious. Their pizza is not to be missed. It's the best crust ever. I also really enjoyed the creme brulee we had for dessert. I was really surprised at how strong the passion fruit flavor was, but in a good way. I love passion fruit. I've talked about that on here. I'm like really having a moment with it in this last year. And I wasn't sure how strong it would be, but it really came through. You know, I feel like Paul Hollywood. I'm talking about how the flavor lifts the creme brulee. (laughs) After lunch, we got back in the car and did the 17 mile drive because she'd never done that before. And again, what else were we going to do? It was raining. There's like not much to do when it's raining in Carmel. Um, There aren't a ton of indoor activities there unless you're like going back to the house to play games, which I don't think Lauren wanted to do. (laughs) So we did the 17 mile drive. Some of the views were a little obscured, but we did get out and go to the Lone Cypress. And there were some pretty hilarious boomerangs that we did because of the wind. It was insane. And then after that, we decided because we were in workout clothes, we might as well go work out because we all we'd done is shop and eat. We'd wanted to go on a beach walk. That wasn't going to happen in this weather, obviously. We wanted to hike Point Lobos. That was impossible. But Lauren definitely wanted to work out, and I didn't mind because I hadn't in two days. So we actually went to the gym down the way that I have been to before. They do day passes, and so we just did that for an hour. And by the time we got out, we discovered that the house 
had lost power. <laughs> so we went back to the house because it was still daylight and at least we could shower, right? But what I didn't think about until we got there was that the gate is also powered by electricity. So we couldn't get in the gate. And I tried, I climbed over to see if there's a mechanism or something that would force the gate open. So at least we could get into the property. Uh, no dice. And Lauren had also gotten out of the car to try and help me with to see if the keypad would work, if I like reset the system or whatever. And she almost got impaled by a tree branch. So that was exciting. So obviously it was not smart for us to be out there. I quickly climbed back over the fence once it seemed like a good opportunity when the wind slowed down for a second. And then because we couldn't get in the house, we were like, well, what are we going to do now? So we drove over to Pebble Beach, which isn't too far, and snagged a couple seats at the tap room bar, ordered some cocktails. We were disgusting. We had just gone to the gym. Before that, we were in a torrential rainstorm. Our hair was out of control, didn't look cute, no makeup on, just looked awful. And we were sitting there at the tap room. I ordered an old fashioned that had banana in it. And it was actually really delicious. Like when I am drinking again after dry January, I may try that or request it. I think it had banana liqueur in it, but it was just like a really, really warm, delicious, rich addition to an old fashioned. It was on point. And we spent the next couple hours there just hanging out. We ordered some of their zucchini muffins, which are amazing. So delicious. Can't go there and not get those. And my stepbrother made it back to the house later on. I think it was at like six or seven when he got there. And he was actually able to get in. He had a clicker that a remote control, not a clicker. (laughs) That's just what we call them. He had a remote control to open the gate and somehow that worked, but the keypad was not working for us. So eventually we made our way back to the house and fully got ready in the dark. We lit some candles, we had flashlights, but obviously there was no power, so we couldn't blow dry our hair. Although my mom did have a makeup light that was charged and when the power was out, it was still working, which was truly the saving grace. I don't know what we would have looked like if we hadn't had that makeup mirror. But uh, I'll I'll share a picture of what that was like getting ready in the dark. The candles helped a lot. It really illuminated the room when I was trying to shower. But as far as like getting my hair done, that just wasn't happening. I just pulled my wet hair back into a ponytail. So I could have looked better on New Year's Eve, but I had a sparkly sweater, so it all worked out. Oh, another thing I forgot to mention, the restaurant we were supposed to be dining in canceled. They called while I was getting ready and canceled because they also didn't have power. So our dinner reservation was kaput. We had to figure out another option. And ultimately, because a lot of Carmel by the Sea didn't have power, we decided to just go back to Pebble Beach, which worked out just fine. The two main restaurants were totally booked. And so we couldn't sit there. But down at the bench on the inside, they had a communal table. So we just sat there and ordered all of our food. Lauren and I ordered some champagne and it was fine. And then after dinner, Lauren and I wanted to stay up until midnight, but the rest of the group did not. The rest of the group was not drinking. So uh, my sister drove us over to Carmel by the Sea to see if any of the little bars over there were open. Barmel was open, but there was a very long line and I didn't have a coat with me, so I wasn't going to stand outside in that. But we drove around the corner to Mulligan's Public House, which is sort of a dive bar, but it was so much fun. It was the best people watching. 
And we managed to snag a very cozy little table by the fireplace in the back and had the best time. And we only stayed until right after midnight and then ordered an Uber home. So that was our wild New Year's Eve. Luckily, my sister had left the remote control to the gate out by the gate that night because we wouldn't have been able to get in otherwise. We got home maybe at 1215. And by the time we got inside and got ready for bed, the power had come back on. So luckily we had power going into the next day and the next day it was beautiful. It's the storm had cleared sunny skies, not a cloud in the sky. It was gorgeous. And so we went on a long beach walk. We went to brunch at village corner, which is a place that I normally go for lunch. And I don't know if I've ever been for breakfast and it was so good. I got their biscuit sandwich, which was a brioche. It had a couple fried eggs on it. And then I, I requested the sausage. You could get it with sausage. I think you would also get it with ham or bacon, but I did sausage and it was awesome. It was just what I needed. It hit the spot after those cocktails the night before. And then after that, we went back, got Lauren packed up and I took her to the airport. The rest of the day I sort of had to myself and I ended up going to dinner alone at Toro, which is a place in town that I'd never been before. So I mentioned this earlier, but my stepdad's a fairly picky eater. My mom does not eat sushi, so it's not likely we'll ever go to a sushi place. And I love sushi. And so I wanted to try one of the sushi spots. There aren't that many. It's a very small town, but I went to Toro and it was great. I got, I got one of their salads. It was just a house salad and it came with this sesame dressing that was insanely good. And I actually recreated it this week. Thanks to Alex Snodgrass's side dish dressing. She has a sesame, a creamy sesame dressing, and it was almost identical. So definitely check that out if you want to try it. But After the salad, I ordered this hamachi carpaccio is what they called it, but it was basically just sashimi. It was so delicious, though. It had jalapeno. It had ponzu. It had its citrus. So it had all of the elements that I've said that I like when I'm eating that. And it all tasted very, very fresh. And then before my flat out on Monday, I stopped by stationery again and had another brunch. And this time I ordered the shakshuka with a side of bacon and fruit as well as a seasonal latte. So I had a bit of a feast before I headed home, but I figured why not? And it was a great end to my trip. I didn't get back until kind of late on Monday night. And so I just had, I had barely enough time to stop by Eatsy's after I got dropped off at my house. And I picked up a Caesar salad and a veggie soup with the plan that the next morning I was going to go to Central Market and stock up on a bunch of good food for the coming week. So I did do that. I went to Central Market. I had a meal plan in hand. I was ready to go. And they were out of so much. (laughs) I was obviously not the only one who went to the store. Um, Everybody had cleaned it out the day before. And I guess Central Market hadn't had another delivery that morning of a lot of the stuff. So the things I was looking for, like cauliflower, eggplant, different kinds of kale, were not available. They just weren't there. (laughs) They didn't have any left. So um, I... I managed to make it work, but I had to throw my meal plan out because several of those meals didn't end up working out, but I did get a lot of healthy stuff and I've been cooking for every meal this week so far. And I'm just, I'm enjoying it. I'm not feeling too restricted. I'm not hungry. Like I'm eating enough, but I'm just, what I'm doing is I'm eating a lot of vegetables. I'm eating a lot of meat. So I'm putting more emphasis on protein than I have before which I really think is helping me stay full longer, which is great. And then, like I said earlier, I'm trying to replace my sweet tooth dessert cravings with fresh fruit and it's been going well. So I'm feeling really good about it. So that's kind of the recap of my trip. And the last couple of days, I've just been 
catching up on work and trying to get in a good frame of mind for 2023 and get organized. And I hope you guys have also been doing the same. I hope you guys are feeling good going into the new year. Now let's get into some recs and reviews. I've got some good ones for you this week. So I've actually been listening to a lot of audiobooks. And the first one I listened to was on the drive home back to Dallas after Christmas. And it's called The End of Normal by Stephanie Madoff Mack, who I had not heard of before. I remember the Bernie Madoff scandal and Ponzi scheme and all of that. But I was in college when that happened. So forgive me for not having all of the details or knowing much about it. I clearly wasn't that concerned with current events at that time. (laughs) But I first heard about this book from Things I Bought and Liked. She raved about it, said it was super juicy. So Stephanie, the author, is the daughter-in-law of Bernie Madoff. And this book is her memoir. It basically recounts her life, her relationship with her husband, Mark, and basically the fallout from what Bernie did and how it affected her and her family and her husband and all of that. And Things I Bought and Liked was not wrong. It is very juicy, but I think I would recommend you guys read it versus listen to it. I had some trouble with her as the narrator, and I know it's her story, and I usually love it when the author narrates the book, but a lot of it was monotone. And then at times when it wasn't monotone, it felt like overly dramatic, like she was acting. And that sort of bothered me. It kind of threw me off, especially in like very dramatic scenes where she's acting like she's sad or overwhelmed. It just felt kind of cringy. I don't know how else, how else to describe it, but overall it was a very juicy read. It's definitely a page turner, but yeah, I would recommend reading it versus listening to it for sure. And then after that, I finished that very quickly. So I needed a new book for the flight to Carmel. It's a fairly long flight. It's like four hours. And so I started Five Years Later by Rebecca Searle. And this one is about a woman who kind of has it all. She's got her dream job. She's got her dream man. She's about to get engaged. And when she does get engaged, she has sort of a vision or a dream that shows her what her life would look like in five years. It kind of throws her for a loop. So basically, she spends the rest of the book trying to prevent the future from happening and doing everything she can to like keep her life the way it is, even though it might be in her best interest to not do that. It was a very good book. I loved it. I don't know how I would describe it. It's not really a romance novel. I mean, there is romance in it, but it's more, I don't know, coming to terms with fate and finding yourself and letting go of control, which is something that I struggle with. So I very much related to her character. It was an easy read. It was, it's definitely a beach read. So check it out. And then if you're listening to this on Wednesday, Prince Harry's memoir Spare was released yesterday. I'm recording this in advance, so it's not out yet, but we've already been getting a ton of leaks as you've probably heard. I'll be sure to share my thoughts in next week's episode after I read the book, but I cannot wait. I feel like we've gotten so much information in the last few days just about Harry and William's rift. And I don't mean to laugh like it's obviously serious material, but it's sort of like it's just so shocking. Like, I feel like we've learned so much in the last year about kind of the ongoings behind the scenes. It's it just is it keeps shocking me like more stuff keeps coming out. And it's just like, when will it stop? Not that I want them to stop talking. They should share their story as long as they want to. But it's more just like it's the hits keep coming like it's it's surprising. I do think it's important to note that this book is all about Harry. Megan is not involved in this book 
This is all from Harry's point of view, Harry's words, which I think is so important because so much of this has been pinned on Megan as her idea. And she's a conniving, manipulative woman and all of this stuff. When it's very clear, especially now that Harry's speaking on his own with his own book, doing his own interviews, that he's very angry and he is not holding much back, if anything. So I'm very eager to read the book. So anyway, I'm going to reserve my full thoughts for after I've read the book and watched those TV interviews. So I will let you guys know next week what I think after I've gotten all of the context for all of the leaks that we're seeing and all of that. But it's definitely interesting. It's eye opening. I think we're probably going to learn a lot more about what it was like growing up in that and how he feels about the system itself. And it sounds like a lot more about his rift with William. So anyway, stay tuned. All right, now moving on to some TV wrecks. So I'm still watching The Great British Baking Show, as I told you guys last week. I'm obsessed with it. It's so wholesome. It's just the content we need in 2023. Um, But I also managed to watch the third season of Emily in Paris this week, like the second I got back from Carmel. And while I loved it, I mean, all of the seasons are good. It's a very bubbly, fun, cute show. And while I liked the plot in this season, I feel like they didn't go hard enough in some of the conflicts. Like, I feel like Emily's life is a breeze. Every time she has a conflict or deals with somebody negative, it resolves itself by the next episode. There's never anything prolonged, which makes the show kind of feel cheap to me, I guess. Like, I... Not that I want it to be dramatic, like that's part of its charm is that it's very happy and fun to watch, but it also just makes it feel kind of shallow. But with that said, it's still a fun watch. I love the fashion. The backdrops and scenes in Paris and in Provence are stunning. It's just a feast for the eyes visually. So uh, definitely catch the third season of Emily in Paris on Netflix. And then we're taking a really sharp left turn here with this next show wreck because it's scary. (laughs) So I did start a new TV show a couple nights ago called The Glory, but I've already had to take a break from it. Not that I'm going to stop watching it, but it's that violent that I can't watch it all in one sitting. Like you guys know I love to binge a TV show, but you cannot with this. It's simply too intense. I can't say that enough. So content warning, of course. But The Glory, it's a Korean show, and it's about a girl who was viciously bullied in school, not just tormented, but like brutally physically abused. Like I said, content warning, you will not want to watch it if you're sensitive to that kind of content. So it's about that, but it's also about her plotting her revenge on the people who tormented her. I'm only two episodes in and it's very good. The acting is incredible, but I couldn't watch it two nights in a row. It's just, like I said, too violent. But I'm going to try watching another couple episodes tonight and I'll keep reporting back to let you know if it's still good. But it's got really good ratings. Like I think it's 80 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And then there's another Korean show on my list that I haven't started yet, but it's also gotten the same level of good reviews. And it's called Alice in Borderland, which based on the description, it kind of sounds like a riff off of Squid Game which I also really loved that came out, I think last year, the year before I loved that, but it was again, very violent. So just know going into these shows, they're very intense, very violent. It's just a lot for like a weeknight watch. And you can find both of those shows, Alice in Borderland and the glory on Netflix. Now let's take a break to chat about this week's sponsor. Whether you're a fan of 
making resolutions or not, I think we can all agree there's a propensity in all of us to be healthier at the start of the new year. Whether that means you cut out alcohol like I'm doing for dry January, you begin an exercise routine you've never done before, or you're just trying to reduce the amount of sugar intake in your diet, we all have our own health and wellness goals. If you're wanting to incorporate something healthy into your routine but don't know where to start, why not try AG1 from Athletic Greens? In just one scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to get your day started on the right foot. It's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. AG1 is a small microhabit with huge benefits, and it's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. I personally love mixing a scoop of AG1 and eight ounces of super cold water and throwing it back on an empty stomach. It helps support my gut health, immune system, energy, recovery, and so much more. Even if I don't get in a long workout or I have an off day when it comes to my diet, I know I'm still doing something amazing for my body by taking AG1 from Athletic Greens. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash beck and call. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash beck and call to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So one thing that I have always done on my blog over the years, at least in the last five or six years, I don't know when I started doing this, but in January, I would dedicate one week to health, fitness, wellness, food, all of the things. And I called it wellness week. And I thought I would bring that to life on the podcast. So this is wellness week. We are doing wellness week, you guys. But before we get into the topic, I just want to make it clear. I am not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a fitness instructor. And you should definitely seek the advice of professionals when making changes to your own diet or fitness routine, because not everything I do is going to be for you. We're all totally different people with varying lifestyles, varying interests and health goals. So just keep that in mind when I'm talking about all this stuff, that what I'm doing may not be something you want to do or should do. So definitely talk to professionals before making any changes. What I normally do in Wellness Week on the blog is one post will be kind of an update on my personal fitness routine, what I've been eating lately, changes to my diet. And so let's start with that. So this last year, you probably, if you follow me on Instagram, know that I do a wide variety of workouts, a lot of them on the Peloton app or with Peloton products. So I have a Peloton tread. I also have a Peloton bike and I use the app. And on the app, I use a lot of their strength workouts specifically. And we'll just kind of create any combo of classes that sound good to me that given day. I used to do the sweat app and would take the high intensity classes with Kayla, which was basically high intensity interval training in circuit format. And I'm not doing that anymore that I did it for three years. And honestly, I was in the best shape of my life, but it also totally burned me out. It's so challenging. You're able to do it good for you, but I needed a break from that. And the Peloton app was a great alternative because it gave me a lot of different options, a lot of variety, different class types, different teachers, different options for class length. So there's like a five minute ab class, but there's also a 60 minute tread boot camp. Like you kind of got everything you want at your disposal, uh, which is great. But the downside to all of the Peloton stuff is just, it's up to you to kind of create your own program. 
They do have some programs in the app, but they're like four week or six week programs. It's not like an ongoing formatted program like a personal trainer would give you. So what I do is I try to dedicate certain days to certain body parts, sort of like I did with the sweat app. So one day I may go heavy on legs. One day I may go heavy on arms and abs. I try and do it so that I don't tire out every part of my body (laughs) every day. And I also like to mix in the cardio stuff. So in addition to the strength workouts, I'll also do walk and run classes on the treadmill. I'll do a cycling class. I'll do a run or a hike. Uh, I love the variety and I love both of the products I have, the tread and the bike. Although I will say I took a pretty long break from the bike when I got the tread. I just was obsessed with the tread and only wanted to use that. But what I've realized in the last year, and I don't know if it's just my body composition or getting older or what, but my lower back has become kind of a constant issue. It's not some, it's not like I have chronic pain by any means, but like every several months I have an issue with my sacrum where it kind of gets inflamed. The, the muscles or joints around that area in your lower back get inflamed and I have to take a break from running. So now I'm mixing in more cycling classes. So I do more of a mix of running and cycling, and I'm not just relying all of my cardio on the treadmill. Another thing I like to mix in when I need a break from lifting or I just my body is tired and needs a rest, but I still want to move is I will do classes on the Sculpt Society app. I have a subscription to that app as well, and it's much more low impact. It's more like a bar class, but it's a lot of it is on the floor. So I can do that when I'm traveling. I did those workouts a lot when I was in Europe, which was really easy to do just in my hotel room, no equipment needed. And so those are really great. And so I do a variety of things. I can't really give you an exact routine anymore. I used to have very specific days where I did, like when I did high intensity, Monday was leg day, Wednesday was arms day, Friday was abs day, but I'm not scheduling myself out like that anymore and expecting myself to do a specific body type each day. It's more listening to my body and doing what sounds fun, because if it's not fun and it's not something you're looking forward to, you're not going to stick with it. So that is what I'm trying to do (laughs) with my fitness routine. It's a little all over the place, but I still manage to work out most days. I probably work out five or six days a week. And then of course, as you guys know, I'm trying to keep my step count pretty high each day between 10 to 14,000 steps. So in addition to doing workouts in my little home gym, I also do a fair amount of walking outside. Now, a lot of that comes from just walking my dog. I walk my dog for like 45 minutes to an hour every morning. And in that time, we usually get between two to three miles done. We're walking pretty slow, probably like an 18, 19 minute pace. But we still manage to get two to three miles in between that 45 minutes and an hour. So that's good. I can kind of check that off. And then after those walks in the morning, that's when I do my workout in my home gym. and so. If I know I'm not going to be walking that afternoon, say the weather is bad or I'm busy or have plans, I'll do a workout on the Peloton tread. So whether that's just a walk or a hike or walk and run or a run, I try to get more steps in that way. And then, of course, I get steps when I'm just walking around my house, running errands, that kind of thing. So that's sort of my workout routine right now. As far as my diet, I kind of mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, but I'm really just trying kind of trying to eat paleo. I'm eating a lot of meat. I'm eating a lot of vegetables. I'm trying to avoid grains. I'm trying to avoid any sugar, like additional sugar, added sugars. I'm not drinking alcohol, but that's mostly for dry January. 
and I'm trying to not eat as much dairy. I'll probably still eat it on occasion, but it's, I'm trying not to buy it. I'll say I'm really just trying to do a reset this month. I'm sure I'll introduce some of these things back in, but sugar, I'm really going to try to keep this more of a long-term thing. Like, yes, occasionally I'll have a dessert out, but I really don't want to keep stuff like that in my house. I don't want to be relying on that every night before I go to bed because that's just a very bad habit that I need to not do. If it's fruit, it's one thing, but that's healthy. I, I don't need to be eating cookies every night or getting into a pint of ice cream. Like that's a bad habit that I really want to stop this year. And then as far as like what I cook, Sometimes I'm very ambitious. Sometimes I'll make a couple of recipes on a Sunday and just eat them throughout the week. Meal planning is sort of key for me because if it's not ready to go, I'm it, the chance of me eating it is much lower. <laughs> so I try and do as much meal planning on Sunday as I can. And sometimes it's actually like legit recipes. And sometimes it's me just roasting vegetables that I like and dipping them in marinara or keeping it super simple with roasted or air fried salmon and roasted vegetables, sauteed vegetables. Like lately, I've been really loving doing roasted Brussels sprouts. I get the pre-shaved ones. You can get them at almost any store now, but they definitely have them at Trader Joe's and Central Market and H-E-B. And they're pre-shaved, so they don't have to cook for very long. And I basically just saute or fry, sorry, fry some bacon, a couple slices of bacon, and then use the grease as the cooking oil for the Brussels sprouts. And it's very flavorful, obviously protein, there's fat, there's vegetables. Um, That's a really easy lunch that I've been making lately. And then I've been trying to mix it up and not eat the same thing over and over again. So as you guys know, I love eggplant. I've been eating it on repeat lately, but I'm trying to mix it up. So this week I made salmon and a salad. I also had chicken wings and a salad. I had sweet potatoes with this chicken pesto on it. I've collected recipes over the years that I've never used. So this year I really want to do a better job of kind of experimenting more, trying more recipes. And like I said before, making them on Sunday and then just eating them the rest of the week. Because as somebody who cooks for just one person, I want to make sure that I'm making stuff that I would want to eat as leftovers because I'm going to have a lot of them. So when I do go to the effort to make a big recipe, I want to make sure it's good and will reheat well and all of those things. So that's sort of what I look for. Now that we've sort of covered my fitness and current diet situation, what I'm eating these days, let's go into some of your questions. So I pulled the audience on Instagram for some questions on all of these topics, whether it be wellness or general health or fitness or food. And so you guys submitted some great questions and I'm going to answer them here. All right. This first one reads, how do you prioritize sleep, diet and exercise? Sleep is very important to me. Girl, me too. (laughs) I didn't realize how important sleep was to me until I got Reese's, until I had a puppy. And the lack of sleep from those first couple weeks knocked me on my ass and is something I honestly never want to experience again. I I have never felt worse. I have never been sadder. I was so depressed. It was it was awful. And I really attribute all of that to sleep deprivation. So sleep is very, very important to me. And in order to get eight hours of sleep a night, at least I have to go to sleep fairly early. So I'm, I'm usually in bed by eight 30 or nine and turn off the light at nine 30 or 10, because my wake up call is usually about six 30 the next morning, because I like to wake up, have my breakfast, take my dog on a walk, workout and shower before my assistant Liza shows up at my house. So that requires an early wake up call. 
in order to do that and like maintain that, I have to go to sleep early. I just, I'm not a night owl. I've never been a night owl. My mom will tell you I would run around all day as a kid and just slam into the pillow at night. No encouragement necessary. I was always the first to go to sleep at slumber parties growing up. I've just, I've always been the first to go to sleep. And that's just always suited me because I'm also an early riser. I definitely more of a morning person and I enjoy being up and getting the day started and all of that. So that just works for me. I definitely think having a healthy sleep schedule is very key to just general well-being and happiness. If you don't sleep well, you're not going to do a lot of things well, I would say. So with that said, exercise would never get in the way of my precious, precious sleep. But I do prioritize exercise, so that means I have to go to sleep earlier so I can wake up earlier to fit it in to my schedule. So if it means a lot to you and you want to commit to it, you may have to make time, whether that's after work or before work. But for me, I know I'm not going to work out in the afternoon. I will talk myself out of any afternoon workout. So morning just makes more sense for me. I can get it off my list, check it, it's done. Then I get ready for the day and don't have to think about it again. And that's just what works for me. I would say I've prioritized exercise way more than I've prioritized diet over the years, but that's definitely something I'd like to adjust. I think I mentioned this earlier. I'm sort of an all or nothing person. I've never been very good at moderation. I've never been good at portion control. Just everything about eating has sort of been a struggle for me over the years, partly because of diet culture, partly because. I was on ADHD medication forever and just my appetite was suppressed for so long. I think it totally fucked up my metabolism. I think there are a lot of things at play, but diet has been something I have not focused on too much. And that's something that I'm really wanting to change. Just I want to have a healthier relationship with food. I want to be able to enjoy myself, but still feel healthy and feel like I'm feeding my body nutritious foods. Like I want to live a long life, all of those things. So I definitely want to make my diet more of a priority and something I think most personal trainers and nutritionists will tell you, I could be wrong in this, so don't quote me, but I feel like most people say it's 80% diet and 20% exercise. So even if I work out as much as I do, if I'm still eating like shit, if I'm eating a pint of ice cream every night, it's not going to show you any results. So (laughs) that is sort of like, I know this, I've known this for a long time, but it's, it's just I don't know. I've just, it's something I've struggled with for a long time. And obviously my weight has fluctuated a lot over the years and it's just a constant struggle. And I don't want it to be a struggle anymore. I want it to be habit. I want it to be something that I just know. And I do every day because I know what's good for me and what foods are good for me and all of that. So anyway, (laughs) long-winded answer, but sleep is my biggest priority in the past. Exercise has been the next biggest priority and then diet. And I want to make it more even between exercise and diet, but sleep will never get out of the number one spot. All right. This next question reads, can you talk about how you meal prep and plan when cooking healthy for one person? Like I said earlier, because I'm cooking for just me, I don't often pull out all the stops with big fancy recipes that feature a lot of ingredients. I just want to find easy, quick meals that I can throw together and eat over and over again. So they have to be things that I like, obviously but I want it to be fairly easy. So sometimes that's just a roasted eggplant. I do slices, I roast them, and then I dip them in marinara. It is so tasty. Sometimes that's my dinner and that I really like. I really like that. But you've just got to find good, easy things that you like. 
And then occasionally I will make a fancy recipe, but I'm not going to do that every week just because I don't want to always be eating leftovers for four days. But like occasionally I'll make one of my favorite recipes from the defined dish is her whole 30 beef enchilada skillet. And I love that. It's sort of like a healthier version of chili. It's beef, cauliflower, rice, a lot of spices, and I'll add avocado to it. It's so delicious and hearty and warm. It's perfect. It's a perfect winter meal, honestly. But that makes so much. I eat it for like five days. And obviously, I don't want to do that every week. I don't want to be eating the exact same thing every single day. So that's why I only make those big recipes once in a while. And I stick to more simplified meals like roasted salmon, roasted chicken, um, sauteed zoodles. I'll do any kind of roasted vegetable. I get, I get creative with vegetables. I love vegetables, but it's always just sort of a mix of whatever sounds good, whatever looks good at the store. And I do find a lot of inspiration on Instagram. I might not make the whole recipe, but I might see half-baked harvest or the defined dish or somebody else post a mix of flavors that sound interesting and I'll sort of tweak it for vegetables or something. (laughs) But as far as meal prep goes, the day that I do the best at this is always Sunday because it's always a bit of a slower day. I'm leaning into the new week. I'll go to the store first thing that morning. So like literally when Central Market opens at 8 a.m., I am there. I always see my friend Taylor there. What's up, Taylor? (laughs) She and I go shopping at the same time. She and I are both awake early. We're both early birds. So I always see her there, but I go at 8 a.m. I stock up and then I spend that afternoon. It may be three or four hours chopping vegetables, preparing things, making a couple recipes or just getting things ready. So they're easy for me to throw together later on in the week. Okay, so this question is sort of a similar one. I struggle with lunch ideas I can bring to the office. Can you share any healthy recipes you've liked that you think would be easy to enjoy at work? So this is where meal prep will really come in handy for you. I would recommend making a couple of recipes from the defined dish, half-baked harvest, or another website like damn delicious. I'm trying to think of some other ones. There are so many, so many food bloggers and recipe developers out there, but make it all on Sunday and then portion them out into Tupperware or glass containers for the week. That way you have a healthy meal ready to go that can be reheated easily in the office microwave. I used to do this often when I worked in an office that wasn't my house. And Liza does this a lot. She will make dinner for her and Hunter, and then she'll have leftovers and bring those for lunch the next day in a glass container. Just like the easiest way to do it, in my opinion, it's the easiest way to stay healthy because obviously go out and eat. You're not going to necessarily make the best choices. I certainly don't. So that would be my recommendation. I did pull a couple of recipe ideas for you, but if you DM me, if you ask this question, I can send you a couple of suggestions, but my recommendation would be to go check out a couple of food bloggers and save the healthy recipes that look like they'd be good and easy to reheat. So like I wouldn't do fish. Fish does not sound that good to me reheated and you don't want it to stink up the office. Do something with chicken, do something with a lot of vegetables like cauliflower, maybe Brussels sprouts you should avoid because those can be stinky, but try to think about things that you would enjoy eating if they are reheated. A couple of recipes that I love, like I said earlier, the Whole30 beef enchilada skillet from the Defined Dish. I also love her Mexican cabbage soup. She also has an amazing Thai basil beef. Let's see what else I wrote down. Um, Some of Liza's favorites are the P.F. Chang's lettuce wraps by Damn Delicious. She also loves the crispy Tuscan chicken with crispy prosciutto by Half-Baked Harvest. I feel like she's cooking every week. She's probably the person you need to be asking. (laughs) Can you talk more about your experience doing Whole30? 
Sure. So I've only done it that one time. And I think it was back in 2017. And I've done cleanses before, like juice cleanses for several days, but I'd never fully cut out sugar, alcohol, dairy, or grains. So that was definitely new to me. And especially for such an extended period of time, I've done it for a week. I hadn't done it for a month. So I wasn't really sure what to expect, but the first week was pretty bad. (laughs) It was pretty brutal. Because you do kind of go through withdrawals from sugar. Sugar addiction is so real. And I also felt like I had the carb flu. That's sort of what they call it. When you're getting that stuff out of your body, your body fights it. <laughs> like I felt like shit that first week. And I had a really bad, I had really bad hangover symptoms and felt really weak for like four or five days. But after that first week, feel great. It's much more manageable. But I will say, I did feel like I needed to eat more to sustain my energy levels throughout the month. And I'm not sure if it's because I wasn't eating enough protein during that process or not or what, but I actually remember gaining weight on it and being kind of annoyed by that because I was hoping it would like cleanse my system because I wasn't eating anything quote unquote bad. But I think it's because I was just consuming so much more than I was used to because I didn't have those starchy carbs or desserts that I was reaching for. I just, I guess, felt hungrier and needed to eat more. While I didn't hate the experience and I did learn some things from it, it's not sustainable for me. That's not how I want to eat all the time. With the amount I travel and eat out, it's just not feasible to be completely grain, dairy, and sugar-free, and I don't want to be. But as far as what I learned from the process, I definitely learned how important meal prep is. (laughs) So that's definitely something that's carried through in these last few years after doing Whole30. I do a lot more of that. By doing the work up front, it's just nice to have those healthy meals on hand when I'm feeling crazy busy or I'm feeling lazy and don't want to cook. And so I definitely learned from that. I also realized that I do actually have the willpower to resist sugar, (laughs) even though it can be a challenge. One of the things that shocked me most was how I preferred my coffee after doing Whole30. So as someone with a major sweet tooth, I used to love those sweet drinks at Starbucks. Think the white chocolate mocha, for example. There is so much sugar in that. And during Whole30, you're not allowed to use milk or sweeteners. So I got used to drinking it fairly bitter. And since Whole30, I actually prefer coffee without additional sweeteners in them. I still would drink it with almond milk, but I don't add sugar to my coffee. And I, I really attribute that to just cutting it out during Whole30. I lost the taste for that really sickly sweet flavor that you get from those sweeteners. And I cannot drink a white chocolate mocha anymore. I can't drink any of those drinks anymore. Like I love a chai. I, I have a coffee frappuccino now and then. But again, it is, it's not anywhere near, I don't have the taste, I guess, for that really sweet stuff anymore. And so I think that was a really great benefit from doing Whole30 is I'm just less attracted to it. One thing I missed more than anything else during Whole30 though was the cheese. I put cheese on everything. So that was definitely a challenge for me to give up for a month. And I mentioned this on Instagram last week, but in addition to doing dry January this month, trying to limit my dairy intake as well. So Well, I'm not going to be super restrictive if I'm out to dinner, if there's cheese on something, I'll still eat it, but I'm trying not to buy it at the store because I do have a heavy hand with it at home. And I'm sure that's just adding unnecessary calories to a lot of the foods that I enjoy regularly, like all of my roasted vegetables and stuff. So I'm taking a break from buying cheese to see how that goes. And I will report back on that. 
Okay, this next question reads, I'm trying to reduce my sugar intake, but I'm someone who must have dessert every night. Do you have any suggestions for replacements? So this is actually something I'm trying to do right this second. I am totally the same way, and I always want to reach for something sweet after dinner or right before bed. I always get a hankering for something at like 8 o'clock. What I'm trying to do right now is just keep my fridge stocked to the brim with a variety of fresh fruits that I can reach for when I get a craving. So last night I had an apple with peanut butter. The night before I had a sumo orange. And I actually spoke with a nutritionist recently, and she told me that The best thing to do when you have a sugar craving, fruit is great, but don't just eat it by itself. Eat it with some kind of fat or protein. So like if you want an apple, do peanut butter. If you want to have an orange, also eat turkey so that you don't have that insulin spike and then crash, which is a problem, I guess. I don't know all the ins and outs of those. And again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist, but she literally just told me that. So That's what I'm trying to do when I do have a sugar craving. I don't just eat the thing that I'm craving. I also eat something with protein or fat in it. So it helps prevent that like spike and crash, I guess. Again, don't know what I'm talking about, but that's just what she told me. (laughs) All right, this next question. Can you share some of your favorite healthy snack ideas? I'm actually not much of a snacker these days, mostly because I get so in the zone when I'm working at my desk. But a few things I've enjoyed in the past or will occasionally snack on include an apple with peanut butter. Like I said, I had that for a dessert last night, but that's a good snack. I also love carrots and hummus or ranch. (laughs) If you're, if you're open to dairy, ranch is a good option. I also love skinny pops, white cheddar popcorn, get those a hundred calorie packs. I could eat like 10 bags of those, but try to limit myself to one. But again, I really make an effort to not buy packaged items at the store. So I don't keep many snack like items in my pantry. If I do want a snack, I try to just eat things that are in my fridge. So whether that's fresh vegetables and some kind of dip, like a hummus or something like that, I'll do that or have a piece of fruit or slice of turkey or whatever. Okay, next question. I find dining out at restaurants to be the hardest part. Any tips for self-control when dining out? This has always been super tough for me as well. I'm someone who gets serious food envy, and oftentimes I save my meals as a special treat. So when I go out, I will eat whatever I want versus like trying to have moderation or eating something that's probably better for me, which on occasion is probably fine. But when you're dining out three to five nights a week, which I don't do often, but like during the holidays or, you know, when I'm wanting to be more social, sometimes I'm dining out more than I'm cooking. And obviously that's not good. I can't let myself eat whatever I want every time I go out to dinner. So I really need to do a better job of that. But what I try to do if I'm trying to be healthy is make sure that I have a vegetable, bare minimum order vegetable, whether that's a salad or a side. But ideally, it's something that I eat before I eat my entree, especially if I'm ordering something like pasta. If I'm really, really wanting to get the pasta, I'll get the pasta, but I want to make sure that I'm ingesting something green before that to at least fill up my stomach a little bit, give myself some actual nutrients. So that's maybe a good suggestion. But another thing that comes to mind is to consider where you're eating and how often you're going. So if it's a restaurant that you don't go to very often and it has something that you dream about, get it, enjoy it. You only live once, like definitely don't skip the good stuff. But if it's a place you go to once a week or just really often, explore more of the menu. Don't rely on things that are simply comfort food for you just because you really love them. 
but try other things on the menu. Try some of the healthier options. You know you're going to come back because it's a place you love and visit regularly. Save the really indulgent, decadent meals for places that are really special or places that you don't get to go to that often. Like, for example, when you're traveling, I think that's a great opportunity to indulge is when you're traveling and visiting really amazing restaurants that you may never get to go to again. But when you're just going to your neighborhood spot that you go to three times a month, (laughs) you don't need to splurge every time. It's always going to be there. Okay, the next question reads, what are some wellness and health trends or things you've tried that you didn't like? not the biggest trend chaser when it comes to wellness stuff, but you might disagree since, you know, I tapped into that bone broth thing at the end of the year. But if you grew up in the 90s like I did, you definitely tried the cabbage soup diet and the master cleanse. I think I lasted one day on the master cleanse. It's basically lemon juice, water, cayenne pepper, and maple syrup, I believe. And that's all you're supposed to have for like several days. So it's the epitome of a juice cleanse, but there's no variety, which makes it awful. It's so gross. (laughs) And then the cabbage soup diet is self-explanatory. And I probably did that for a week. And then I've also done a few juice cleanses before where they give you five to seven different vegetable and fruit kind of concoctions a day. And while they weren't terrible, I never really saw any difference in how I felt when I finished the cleanse. I just felt hungry. So I haven't done one of those in years. And I'm I've also tried meditating and breathing exercises every once in a while because I feel like those are really having a heyday right now. And I have a really hard time getting into the mindset and headspace for things like that. It just feels very woo-woo to me. But with that said, I recognize it's very helpful for some people. I just, I have not been able to get into that. That is one wellness thing that has not gone anywhere with me. Okay, somebody asked, how much water do we really need to be drinking? Okay, got to repeat this again. Because I am not an expert doctor or nutritionist, I googled this to see what the researchers had to say about it. And in an article on the Mayo Clinic's website, it says the U.S. National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine determined that an adequate daily fluid intake is about 11.5 cups of fluid a day for women. These recommendations cover fluids from water, other beverages, and food. And about 20% of daily fluid intake usually comes from food and the rest from drinks, which would mean you should probably be consuming around nine cups of water a day. So the drink eight glasses of water a day advice actually isn't all that off base. I am so bad about drinking water. I love water. It's not that I don't like water. It's just I forget, like I'll just be sitting for long stretches at the computer and won't take a sip. It's so bad for you. Like I need to be better about consuming water. And even when I was doing my egg freezing, you have to get blood drawn like every few days. And I would always forget. And they can't get to a vein if you don't if you're dehydrated. And I was dehydrated almost every time. So that's definitely something I need to work on. Okay, somebody asked, I'd love to hear more about your bone broth routine. Truth be told, I'm not doing it anymore. It's a lot of sodium and I'm trying to reduce the amount of sodium that I consume. And while I loved the taste of it, it is a flavor that I kind of got sick of after a while. So that is a wellness trend that I tried and did not stick with. (laughs) I tried to do it, but then I was traveling and then I was in Austin for the holidays and I did have some there, but I wasn't super consistent with it. And then I got home and just decided, eh, I probably shouldn't buy any more of this. (laughs) I don't need any more bone broth. I think I'm good. Okay. Somebody else asked, is it just me or does cutting alcohol not help shed pounds? You'd think it would, but I replace it with dessert. I'll be very interested to see how I feel at the end of the month after doing dry January, especially since I'm trying to be super healthy with all of my food choices I'm making. So 
Instead of having dessert, I'm trying to eat fresh fruit when I have a sugar craving. I'm also trying to eat mostly vegetables and meat and limit my starchy carb and dairy intake this month. I'm hoping the combination of all of those things will work in my favor, but I think just cutting alcohol is unlikely to make me lose weight, mostly because I only drink once or twice a week as it is. And I also do my best these days not to overdo it when I drink because I don't want to have a hangover. When I used to go out a lot and get bad hangovers, that was detrimental to my health and fitness goals because not only would I feel like terrible, I wouldn't work out for a couple of days because I felt terrible and I would also eat like shit because I felt like shit. So if you're just doing it once a week and you're not drinking a ton, I don't think cutting out alcohol is going to really help you lose weight. But if you drink a lot and it's causing other bad behaviors and other kind of unhealthy habits, then it could help you. All right, moving on. When do you work out while tired versus letting yourself rest? So I try to listen to my body. If my body is physically exhausted or I'm super sore from an intense workout the day before, I'm not going to push it. But if it's just my mind that's tired, say sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep. If I'm just tired in that way, I will push through that and try to get a workout in. Is every workout I do a 100% max effort? No, (laughs) sometimes I just do one ab workout in the Sculpt Society app. It's 10 minutes, I knock it out. Other times I have way more energy and can do longer stretches of a strength workout, but not every workout needs to be intense. Some days it's just going for a long walk outside and even on my rest days, I still try to walk. I just like to move my body every day. So unless I'm like really sick or something, I try to move my body once a day, whether that be a walk or a more intense workout. How are you getting all of your steps in? Multiple walks, treadmill? So my goal is to walk a total of five or six miles a day. And that includes just walking around the house, walking on errands, my walking my dog. It also includes my working out on the treadmill. So on some days, this means I take two long walks with my dog at a slow pace. We'll do three miles in an hour doing one walk in the morning and one walk in the afternoon. But say I have plans in the afternoon one day or I'm going to be too busy or the weather is really bad, but I'll also include a treadmill workout in my workout in my little home gym. So I'll get more steps in that way, whether it's running or walking or whatever. As long as I hit five or six miles by the end of the day, that's usually around 14,000 steps. So with the walks with my dog, I I almost always get there. If we do two to three miles in the morning and two to three in the afternoon, that's easy. It's the days where I'm not walking her twice that it's a little more challenging because I do have to fit in more time on the treadmill. How do you fit in walking multiple times a day with changing and freshening up? Do you do less intense walks and stay in a set of athletic wear for your later walks? Here's a quick version of my morning routine just to lay it all out there. I will walk my dog for about 45 minutes to an hour and then follow that with a workout in my home gym. And then after that, I am showered and dressed for the day. I put on a regular outfit and I'm done. If I do decide to walk in the afternoon, I'll throw on fresh workout clothes for it. And if I don't have anything that evening, I will just stay in my workout clothes. I don't get very sweaty on these walks unless it's the summer. So right now I can just throw back on clothes I was wearing before if I'm going out to dinner after or something. But the summertime, I obviously would have to shower. It's just too hot here not to. But I don't really walk Reese's outside in the afternoons in the summer anyway because it's too hot for her. So it's not often that I feel like I need to freshen up after a walk. 
And she walks at a really slow pace anyway, so I'm not breaking a sweat or working up a sweat. So that helps. What's the difference between the Peloton tread and a regular treadmill? The main difference is that the Peloton tread comes with a giant screen for showing all of their live and on-demand classes, and it tracks your progress every time you're on it, and it's synced to the Peloton app. So on the Peloton tread, you can see your calories burned, miles completed. You can see what classes you've taken. You can bookmark classes. It's really all about the streaming. That's really what the point of the Peloton tread is, is that you have access to all of their content and it's right in front of you. There's a screen directly in front of your face. With that said, you could always just get a regular treadmill and then set up a small TV in your space where the treadmill is and you can stream the classes using the Peloton app. You have to get Apple TV, I believe, but you don't get those stats like they don't sync up like it would if you were on the treadmill. So I think it just comes down to personal preference and budget, like what you're willing to spend. I mean, if you're going to spend money on a treadmill and a TV, it might add up to a similar amount. I really like having the screen right in front of my face and I like how my stats are synced all over the place. So that I really like. But again, I think it's just personal preference. Another Peloton question, who are your favorite Peloton instructors? So it totally depends on my mood because there's really somebody for everyone, (laughs) every kind of personality, every kind of music style. But for strength classes, I love Ben's classes because I feel like they're very well-rounded. He does a really good job setting up circuits, whereas I feel like some people hit a few exercises and then move on. Ben does like rounds of exercises. So I really feel like I am exhausting those muscles in a good way. So I love his strength classes for tread classes. I love Olivia. I find her classes very challenging and I love her music selection. She does a lot of pop and she does a lot of EDM. So it definitely keeps you pumped up. And then the last question I have here is how do you manage stress outside of working out? Most of my stress comes from work stuff. And so the biggest thing for me is taking some space from my office, from my computer, whether that's just going downstairs and binge watching a TV show on a Saturday or hanging out with friends as a distraction to take my mind off of that. That always helps. Obviously, therapy is great for stress relief. It's good to be able to talk and get an unbiased opinion from someone about whatever's going on in your life and things that are stressing you out. But I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like a huge self-care person. Like I don't take a lot of baths. I'm not, I don't know. I don't do meditation. It's more for me just like being able to relax and being able to take my mind off of whatever stressful thing is going on. And with that, we have come to the end of wellness week here on the beck and call podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you are enjoying the podcast, please consider giving a five-star rating and writing a review on Apple podcasts. Please be sure to follow along on Instagram at Beck and Call Podcast. And you can also follow me at Merritt Beck. And I will catch you guys next week. Bye.